0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, July 17th, 2022. Real to real, hidden figures. You know here at Connection, we all pee the same color, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, good morning Connection Church. Good morning. Continue our series of Real to Real. This morning we're taking a look at hidden figures.
1: My name is Carrie Jones. I'm
0: Alan Jones.
1: And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just need to take a minute. Amy Nova cell. it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Amy. Yeah, thank you for what you're doing for our church and our kids. We really appreciate and love you. So, um, just before we get started on Hidden Figures, I want you to know. For next week, you could pre-look at the movie, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, a Beautiful Day, Mr. Rogers. So we're going to uh, preach on that. And then the following week, who wants to... Uh, we don't talk about him. We don't talk about, him. Yeah. we don't talk about Bruno. That's what we're doing in Kanto the following week. And we're having a bo- movie night. So we hope that, uh, stay tuned on your Friday updates so that you can uh, participate in all that. Let's go ahead and pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day, for this uh, message that you've given us, and for what we can glean out of your scripture, the truth in our lives. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Scott Carpenter, Gordon Cooper, John Glenn, Gus Grissom, Wally Schirra, Alan Shepard, Deke Slayton. Most of us are familiar with these names. They're an important part of our history. They're known as the original seven, the astronaut group one. They they were NASA's first seven astronauts, the Mercury 7, chosen in 1959. That's, That's 63 years ago.
1: Mary Jackson, Dorothy Vaughn, Katherine Johnson. None of us here today have probably heard of those names unless we've watched the movie Hidden Figures. Here's the thing, without those three and others like them, the first seven would have never achieved what they did.
0: Mary Jackson, Dorothy Vaughan, and Katherine Johnson are the, the women around which the uh, this movie is based. You know, back in the fifties and early sixties, late fifties, early sixties, these three had two strikes against them when it came to working at the professional level for NASA. They were female, and they were black. In the early years of the space program, the engineers, mathematicians, and scientists working at NASA were male and white, primarily. The exception was, was, was a group of black women, mathematicians, who worked as computers, computing the various things for the space program, high-level mathematics. They, they were segregated all to themselves in a place called the West Area, maybe uh, on the film clip, you heard him mention the West area, half a half a mile from the rest of the campus there. The racism was overt. Across the board, these black uh, women were treated not even as second class citizens, uh, maybe third, maybe even fourth class citizens. And, and in spite of the horrible treatment, they thrive. Their brilliance could not be hidden.
1: We wanna share about each one of these ladies for a moment. How about Mary Mary Jackson? She was assigned to the space capsule heat shield team and immediately began identifying design flaws. Encouraged by her team leader, Carl Zielinski, who was a Polish Jewish Holocaust survivor, she applies for the official position as a NASA engineering Uh, in a position of engineering at NASA, and she's told by her white supervisor, whose name is Vivian Mitchell, that regardless of her degree in mathematics and physical science, the position required additional courses. And so Mary uh, enters into petitioning to attend all-white Hampton High School, where these classes are offered, and she pleads her case in court and wins. And so she goes back to school. Um, The judge, she pleads with the judge and uh, appeals to a sense of history, and so she is allowed to go back to school, night school, to get these courses.
0: Dorothy Vaughn is doing the work of a supervisor, yet she is informed by this same Vivian Mitchell that there are no plans to assign permanent supervisor for the colored group. So she learns that NASA has installed an IBM 7090 computer which threatens to replace the human computers that she supervises. She takes a book on Fortran, a scientific computer language, she takes it from the white-only section of the library and she teaches herself Fortran. And she teaches her soon-to-be-displaced West Area co-workers programming. Wow. She visits the computer room, successfully starts the IBM 7090, and is promoted to supervise the programming department. She agrees to do so if the 30, if 30 of her co-workers are transferred as well. In the process, Vivian Mitchell, the infamous Vivian Mitchell, (laughs) finally addresses her as Mrs. Vaughan.
1: And then there's Katherine Johnson. She's the one that we saw uh, speak in the movie clip. She is a mathematical genius. She impresses her supervisor, Al Harrison, by calculating complex mathematical equations essential for space travel. But with the uh, arrival of this IBM 7090, her skills are no longer needed. She is reassigned to the West Area. But one day, on the day of John Glenn's launch, discrepancies. She finds discrepancies in the computer's calculations. She's asked to check the capsule's landing coordinates. In fact, what was the fact that you just found out?
0: Well, John Glenn refused to to go until she did check the figures. He trusted her that
1: much with his life. And so thanks to her calculations, John Glenn and the Friendship 7 landed successfully. Catherine went on to calculate um, trajectories of Apollo 11 and a number of other space shuttle missions. In 2015, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And then in 2016, NASA dedicated the Langley Research Center's Catherine Johnson computational building in her honor
0: Hmm. that's a great story isn't it it's a great movie three exceptional women who overcame overwhelming odds to excel in their various fields of endeavor yeah great story but what's that got to do with us here in 2022 at connection church what can we learn from, from these contributors to the, to the space race? What can they teach us? Well, when, when I was putting this together, I, I was reminded of Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. Colossians 3, 23, 24, New International Version. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, work as if you're working for God, for Christ, not for human man. Give it everything you've got. You're not working for those around you. You're working for the Lord.
1: So let's take a look in the Bible for some examples for this. Uh, One of the prime examples is Joseph. His story is found in much of the book of Genesis. And uh, Joseph is that one, the technicolor dream coat. He was falsely accused of being inappropriate with Potiphar's wife and he was thrown in jail and he was forgotten, all but forgotten. But there were two prisoners in jail with him, and they had dreams. They were depressed, they were sad, they were downcast. And Joseph asked them why, and they told them, you know, we've had some dreams. Joseph believed that dreams belonged to God. And so he wanted to hear about the dreams, and he listened and interpreted the dreams to them. He told them what they meant. And then he said, when you get out of here, remember me to Pharaoh. Well, one of the cup bearers, one of the prisoners, his place of cup bearing, that was a very elite you know, position beside the king, his position was restored as per the dream interpreted. And the other was hanged. That's what was in the dream as well. And Joseph shared all that. The cupbearer, though, did not remember Joseph to the pharaoh, and so he remained in jail.
0: So two years later, pharaoh had some dreams of his own. None of his uh, magicians could interpret them for him, but it was at this point the cupbearer remembered Joseph and his gift for dream interpretation. So pharaoh called Joseph in, and he successfully interpreted pharaoh's dream, and it involved lean cows and fat cows, full heads of grain and withered heads of grain. They, they, these dreams represented seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And uh, Joseph suggested to Pharaoh that he find someone to oversee the collection of a fifth of the harvest during the abundant years to put aside for the years of famine, and Pharaoh said that since God had made all this known to him, to Joseph, Joseph then would be the one who was wise and deserving. He put Joseph as the number two guy of all of Egypt. Wow. Hmm. You know, Joseph could have chosen not to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He could have just kept quiet, he he could have kept to himself. He didn't owe Pharaoh anything, I mean, he's lingering in prison, but he chose different than that. He, He used his gift even for the one who was holding him prisoner, and as a result he was promoted to the second highest position in what at that time was probably the most powerful country in the world.
1: So that was Joseph. How about Daniel? We read about Daniel in the Bible called Daniel. <laughs> and he was one of the best and the brightest. And he, uh, as a result of being in the best and the brightest in Jerusalem, he was deported to Babylon and you know, taken out of his country along with, you might have heard, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with lots of others. And King Nebuchadnezzar was uh was ruling they were put in a training program and in this training program it's in effect they had to leave everything they knew and they had to learn the language in babylon completely displaced and given in effect a new identity now they could have chosen to not participate they could have chosen to not give their best they could have chosen to go about this completely half-hearted, but they, they didn't. They worked at what they were called to do with all of their heart as if they were working for the Lord. Then Daniel had an opportunity There were a lot of dreams going on back then to interpret the king's dream. The king placed him in a high position and lavished a lot of gifts on him because of the accurate interpretation. And then at Daniel's request, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were made administrators of the province of Babylon. And Daniel remained in the royal court.
0: So over and over again, we see in Scripture where God empowers people with gifts and then they use those gifts for good even in the midst of challenging circumstances, even in the midst of adversity, just as the women in the movie Hidden Figures did. We aren't saying here that what was done to those women wasn't wrong. We're not saying that at all. We aren't saying that it was okay for them to be treated as they were. We're not saying that mistreating people anytime is all right. We're not saying that at all. What we are saying is, in the midst of great challenges, we're still called to be children of God, to do what God calls us to do. To work as though we are working for the Lord at all times.
1: What we're saying... Is wherever we find ourselves, it's important to give God our best. Our best at all times. It doesn't mean that we can pick and choose. I'm going God, to give God my best here, but I'm not going to give God my best here. Um, oh, I'm going to church. I'm going to give God my best at church, but I'm not going to give God my best in my home or, or at my job or wherever. Nope, nope, I'm not going to do that. Um, and that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to give ourselves as an offering and give our best at all times in everything we're doing in all places.
0: So what does that look like? What's that look like? On the one hand, it means we love the Lord God with all we've got. We we share this passage frequently and there's good reason. The most important one, commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Say the rest with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Often repeated for good reason. Giving God our best means loving God with all we've got, heart, soul, mind, and strength, not shortchanging, giving it all to God.
1: There's a blog that uh, we were reading in preparation for this, and it's called Giving God Your Best Is, and they say that giving God our best means to give God our first. I'll say that again. Giving God our best is giving God our first. Giving God our best time before anything else. Giving God our best resources before anything else. Giving God our best efforts before anything else. What I'm saying is not giving God the leftovers, not giving God the excess. But that's when we say first fruits, we mean our first and our best. Giving God my best during the day when I do my devotions. Giving God my best when I'm uh, doing ministry and not slacking off. Giving God my best in our resources and knowing that it's all His anyway. Giving God our best is giving God our first. Mm.
0: So, love the Lord your God with all you've got. Um, Give Him your best it also means to give him our most superior work sloppy or half-hearted effort falls short of doing what we do for the glory of God and we should never settle for okay well that's okay that's good enough God deserves our best and that's at all time in all places with all people we never want to settle for less than our best ever.
1: And when it comes to giving God our best, we can't separate or compartmentalize our lives. Like, we can't say, okay, God time, me time, work time, family time. It's all God time. So when we, when we segment that out, that does not honor God one single bit. And wherever we are, whatever we do, whoever we're with, everything should be in effect a gift, a thank you note to God for what we do, giving our absolute best. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if you go on our website, you'll find a place telling what we believe, what we find important. And, and there are three things called our, our, our core values. Uh, there are our bedrock beliefs. And there's a thing called the to-do list, the thing we're supposed to do. And, you know, this idea of giving God our best is one of our core values. We can boil it down basically to a word, and it's called excellence. You know, we try to give God our excellent in all that we do. Colossians 3.17 is the scripture that kind of goes hand in hand with this. Here's what it says. Whatever you do, whether in work or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, yeah.
1: So excellence does not mean perfection. It doesn't mean everything has to be perfect. It just means we have to do the best we can. In, as I think about a practical example, like with the praise and tech team, we work really hard on, well, I don't anymore, but (laughs) used to work really hard on Thursday nights and, and practice and practice and practice. And we would work hard at that so that Sunday morning we could give God our best. If we mess up, if something goes wrong, there's, that's okay because we put the excellence in, and the mess up isn't because we didn't give God our best. It just means that's what happens sometimes. And so when we give God our first and our best, whatever happens, if we mess up, if things aren't exactly the way we had wanted them or intended them to be, it's okay, because it's not about perfect. It's just about giving God our best. Is it always easy? Absolutely not. Is it hard sometimes? Yes, it is, especially when we're tired especially when we're having a bad day or week or month, especially when the people around us aren't pulling their weight, especially when somebody else gets the credit for something that I did, especially when, yeah, am I talking to you? Yeah, how about that? How about when somebody else gets a little more attention than you do? How about uh, when somebody else gets that, the kudos? That is really hard. You think, you know what? Why am I even bothering? I'm just going to pull back. I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm just going to just do enough to get by. And perhaps nobody would notice that. Maybe. But you would. And so does God. And it's really between you and God. Between me and God. I know where I slack off. I know where I don't give God my best. And I, I feel really sad with myself when I think of that. When, um, for instance, like on a Saturday night, if I don't get rested enough to be on point, that, that's just not giving God my best. So what is it for you? What is it? You know, who would know? Well, again, you would know, and God would know. Settling for less is not how we should be, giving God our best. Mm.
0: You know, I wish I could stand here and say that thanks to the work of Mary, Dorothy, and Catherine, that racism had come to an end in the United States. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could. But I can't, because that wouldn't be the truth, would it? Hmm. Here we are 60 years later, still got a lot of work to do today and tomorrow, and unfortunately probably for years to come. What I can say is this, these three women gave God their best, using their gifts, being all they could be in spite of the challenges they faced and the obstacles they overcame, and there were many, and they were severe. And we all got better for it. Amen? Amen.
1: So our question is, what about you? What about you? We're encouraging each one of us to do a little self-inventory and take a look, dig deep inside. Where are the areas where we might be shortchanging God? Where are the areas in our lives where we're not quite giving God our best or we're skimming off of or skating or whatever that is. Whatever that looks like. Where are we not building others up? But we're maybe even being quiet and that's not the right answer either because that's not giving God our best. God gave us his best. God gave us his best with his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus gave us his best when he gave his very life on the cross, knowing what would happen for you and for me so that we could have life and have it to the full, so that we could experience a peace that passes all understanding, so that we could have forgiveness when we desperately need it, so that we could receive the gift of God's unmerited love and grace grace that relationship with jesus that we can't do anything for we can't serve enough we can't read the bible enough we can't do anything enough it's just a gift to receive open the gift and then live it out every day of our life and how do we live it out it says a thank you note to god giving god our best not sure, changing God. That's how we say thank you. To be above board, to live in the truth, to have our minds renewed by the word. That's how we give our God the best. This is the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen. 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 Will you pray with me? Mighty God, thank you for these three women who are incredible examples and there's hundreds and thousands of others who have served and been in the shadows and given us all a better life. Help us not look for the accolades. Help us not look for the kudos. Help us not... Uh, Base our behavior on what we're going to get but rather what we can give because what you give us Lord is the best gift you give us hope you give us a future and when our lives are really challenging when there's darkness around us Lord, your Holy Spirit can speak into our hearts and pull us out of that, and we can be encouraged to just keep on another day. God, I thank you for that hope that you give us through your Son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that I pray all of this and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said,
0: Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.